I want to read, and you may turn in your Bibles to uh, this passage of Scripture this morning, the book of Joshua, in a series, as you know, on family matters, the double entendre, and that families matter, but there are also matters of family that must be considered if you're going to make your family what it should be. In Joshua chapter 2, verse 12 through 13, I read there, and then at verse 18, well, we'll start at 17. I'll skip over a few verses. Now, therefore, I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you also will show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token and spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. This is Rahab to the two spies that she has hid just before she lowers a scarlet, the Bible called it thread, it was a rope. It was the Hebrew word means a combination of threads, which implies a rope or maybe even some sheets that were wound together or yarn that they used, for example, on the weaving loom. She wove all that together because one strand wouldn't let them down, wasn't sufficient, they would break. And she let them down out her window. And this is what the men said back to her. So the men said to her, we will be blameless of this oath of yours, which you have made us swear, unless when we come into the land, you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you bring your father, your mother, and your brothers, and all your father's household to your own home. So it shall be that whoever goes outside the doors of this house or your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head and we will be guiltless. And whoever is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head if a hand is laid on him. My subject today is safe while in the house. Safe. While in the house. Father, I thank you for your word that is a lamp into our feet, a light into our path. And we pray that you would open again our understanding to receive the ever insightful and profound principles that guide our lives that become extraordinary keys to helping us reach yet another level in our relationship with you and the things that we do in life. Speak to us now in Jesus' name, I pray. And everybody shouted and said, Amen. Amen. I don't need to be the one to tell you that the world is a very unsafe place in many ways, including spiritually. We are constantly shocked at the horrific crimes and deeds that are committed and then reported to us daily in the news. Uh, I, I could talk about MS-13. And some of the things that are happening. Or I could talk about the shootings in schools and malls. And and, uh, the indiscriminate, it seems like, wanton wasting of life. You just are in the wrong place at the wrong time. And lives are snuffed out. And it seems that people give no more regard to that than blowing out a candle these days. I could also dig a little bit deeper and tell you that that's the price that you have to pay the piper for taking God out of society. You tell everybody that they're not created by God and life loses its divine flame of meaning. Amen. People don't value it. 
However, in the middle of all of this that goes on, homes are generally understood to be places of security and safety. If I can just get in my house, I'm safe. In some unfortunate and sad instances, that isn't true. I've talked to people whose homes were broken into and they tell me that there's very, there are very few experiences in life that make you feel so violated as to know that your place of safety has been broken into and disturbed. But for the most part, we feel safe when we are in our own homes. This world is unsafe all around us, partly because of the attitudes that you can so easily get swept up and caught up in in the times in which we live. Second Timothy 3 verses 1 through 5 should be familiar to all of us. Paul writes that this know that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, And from such people, Paul said, turn away. You have any next door neighbors I've just described? Anybody living in your house that I just talked about? Am I talking about you? Because we always look for signs in the economy and mark of the beast and world government and other things we've heard ever since we were that big. Most people fail to realize those things can't even come to pass unless... The true signs of the last days come around, which is the change in the attitudes of people. And boy, we're living there right now. Yes, we are. It's dangerous for men to live in the world we live in. It's dangerous for women, dangerous for young people. You pray over your young people, don't you? It's dangerous for children. It's especially dangerous for families and for marriages. It's dangerous financially. I could go on and on. And we have to protect ourselves. We protect ourselves from theft, don't we? You see little little break signs out in the front yard. This home is is guarded or protected by Brink Security and others. The enemy wants to steal your peace as well. There are no signs out in anybody's yard saying my peace is protected by this so-and-so security company. The enemy wants to steal your joy, your future. He wants to steal your marriage, your kids your finances, and that is the reality of life in the world today. Homes are meant by God to be places of security. When Christ was born, God understood that he needed to be protected and looked after. The baby Jesus, creator of worlds, has just been, as it were, brought and condescended to the lowliest form and most insecure place in life that you could ever find anyone, and that is at the stage of a helpless, innocent, hapless child. And God said, I need a home that is secure to guard the development of this child who will someday become the sacrificial lamb that takes away our sins, the sins of mankind. That's what we're celebrating this Christmas. It is the condescension 
of God Almighty who spun worlds from his fingertips, spoke universes into existence, and now cries and makes the sounds of a newborn baby. God knew that the enemy wanted to destroy Christ before he could grow up and complete his mission. Herod tried to kill him. Wiped out every other male child at the age of two in the city of Bethlehem. But because Jesus was in a home, God spoke to Joseph and said, get up right now. Don't even wait till the sun rises, but you get that little woman and you take this newborn gift of God and you go into Egypt because Herod is about to try to take his life. And sure enough, the next morning, that's precisely what happened. But Joseph was gone. Amen. God placed Christ in a home because he knew that that's where you're supposed to be safe. In our text, the two spies told Rahab that they would guarantee the safety of her family if, and this is the big predicate, if they stayed in her house. You go get your mother, your father, your brothers, your sisters, all of your possessions. Because in just a little while, the city is about to fall. And when it does, the only thing that will be spared is what is in this house where you have hid us. Everybody else will lose their lives. They'll lose their children. They'll lose their families. They're going to lose their possessions. But within this house... We're making an oath with you today that you will be safe and whatever remains here will be safe as well. But if they step outside, their blood is on their own heads. We assume responsibility for what's in the house, not what's outside it. The house has an obligation to its members. I'm talking about this house right now. When you're a part of a house, God honors the fact that there is a watchman, there are staff, there are prayer warriors, there are intercessors, there are fellow worshipers, there are fellow servants that are looking out for each other. And God tells the enemy, you might touch them out there, but not right here. This house is a place of safety. I wish somebody would give the Lord a praise break right now. Amen. That's why it's so important that you have a spiritual house that is your church home. Rahab was instructed to gather her family in her home and to hang the same scarlet rope out the same window that she had used to lure the two spies when the people of of Jericho had heard that the spies had come in and they were searching the city for them. She let them down and the spies said, you see this rope, this scarlet colored rope, you let it out your window. And when you do, our promise is that whenever we come, whoever is in this house will be spared. Windows represent your perspective. They are what you see in life. That that scarlet rope represents the blood of Jesus Christ. You better have the blood in your world of you. You better look at life, not as it's framed by the world around you, but as it is framed by the word of almighty God. You've got to keep the blood in view. Amen. As the leadership of this house, we have to answer to God for you. This house helps you keep 
the blood in terms of your viewpoint on many matters. I hear people talk about all kind of stuff. And I hear words come out of Christians' mouths that in regard to different things in life and and you can fill in the blanks and it might be whatever you want but but i'm talking about things like abortion and and the stuff like that you better have the blood in your window do you hear what i'm saying you better let the blood inform your perspective because the world is never going to do that for you. The school won't do it for you. The university won't do it for you. And our Father, which art in Washington, D.C., is not going to do it for you. You need the word of Almighty God to inform your foundational beliefs. We see this same principle of being safe if... You remain in the house found throughout the word of God. When God passed through the land of Egypt on the night of the Passover and of Israel's deliverance, God instructed Israel, stay in the house until the morning. Exodus 12, 21 through 23. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families and kill the Passover lamb, and you shall take a bunch of hyssop. You ever seen a picture of the wailing wall in Jerusalem? Those strange looking weeds that grow out of it. That's common in the Middle East. That is hyssop. And he said, you take this, you dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two doorposts. What is a lintel? It's the part above the door. Strike it with the blood, then turn and strike either side of the doorpost with the blood. And he said, and, and with the blood that is in the basin and none, everybody say none. Would you do that? None, no exception of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood, thank God for that. On the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. What he said was, when I see the blood, I will, this is the Hebrew word, I will pass over your door. I will cover your door. The enemy can't find his way into your house when the destroyer is coming through. If you've got the door over, the, over your house covered by the blood, the enemy can't find his way into your family. Hallelujah. And it is this very word, I will pass over. See, we always thought God said, I'll skip over your house. No, that's not what it means. It means I will pass over. I will cover the entrance to your door where the destroyer can't find his way into your home. And this is where the Jewish holy festival of Passover actually comes from and where it gets its name. Passover literally referred to the act of God passing over and shielding the family inside their home. Those outside the house were not protected. Moses had this in mind. Many people don't know Moses wrote Psalms 91. That blessed Psalms where it said, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. Look down at verse 9. Because he said, you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your house, near your dwelling.
dwelling. High five somebody and say, the devil can't get near my house. Would you do it? Moses wrote that. It is directly as a result of what he experienced on Passover that he writes this. He writes it from his own experience and observation. In Exodus, it was the father's responsibility. Stay with me a moment to see that no one left the house that night. I want to ask you a question, Dad. Do you know where your kids are? Do you know who they're with right now? Do you have a time when they should be in at night? I'm preaching a lot better than some are responding, I'll tell you that. Hello, somebody. Do you know who your kids are texting or who is texting them? Got another question. Do you know what's in the text? You say, you're going to read your kid's text? You better know I would if my kids were coming up right now. I'd read it before I let them. Do you know the average age of sexting, which is sending nude photographs of yourself, is now less than 13 years of age? It's when kids start sexting. There are several things that being in the house did for someone that night. They took the blood, they put it on the lintel, and of course gravity caused the blood to fall from here to here. And then they took the blood and put it on each doorpost. Now are you seeing what I'm seeing? Here to here is the vertical aspects of getting the blood across your door. Here to here is the horizontal aspects. It forms a cross. This represents, if you look at the top, gravity saw that it dripped down. It didn't go up from the ground and find its way aloft. It went from the top to the bottom. That's God reaching down to the brokenness of mankind. And it went across on each side. That's the horizontal dimension. It has to do with the reach of the blood. How far can the blood reach? From the uttermost to the guttermost, the blood can reach. I don't care where you are today, the blood can find you. I may be talking to somebody else. You're so messed up right now. You don't think there's any hope, but God can reach you. He can reach from sea to sea. God can find you. Amen. Formed a perfect cross foreshadowing the instrument upon which our Lord would be crucified. The blood at the top represents the transformation of our thought. The blood at either side, the cleansing of our hands from all that we have done. The blood that pulled at the bottom of the door represented the cleansing of our walk that we could walk in purity because of the grace of almighty God. When you stand behind a door that has been marked by the blood of Jesus, the enemy cannot get into that house. He can't affect your thoughts and your emotions. If you're tormented by the enemy, say, get away. My mind is covered by the blood. Hello, somebody. If your family is affected, say, get away. My house is protected by the blood. If you're having a problem breaking free from sin, say my hands have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. There were many other places this principle also was applied. Numbers 35, the cities of refuge, the law regarding those. A person had to stay in the city 
when the avenger of blood came, if you killed someone by accident, specifically the Bible said if you and a friend were out chopping down trees for firewood and the axe head flew off the axe and it hit your friend and he died, what you did is you didn't go home and pack up an overnight kit. You took off right then and you went to the city of refuge. And as long as you stayed there, you were safe and you stayed until the high priest died. And that high priest represents our high priest who had to die. And when that high priest priest died, you could come out and you were free. Hello, somebody. Amen. But if you stepped outside that city, there was the avenger of the blood waiting to take your life. Amen. We see this principle at work again, and this is the Sunday just before Christmas when Joseph, the husband of Mary, was given this dream. And we see that as long as Jesus was kept within the safety of the home to which he had been assigned, he was safe. There were six cities of refuge, which is an anomaly in and of itself because of the many sevens in scripture. There were six and people say, wasn't there supposed to be a seventh one? No, it's because the seventh literally represented the house of God. You had six cities, but if you could make it to the house of God and get a hold of the horns of the altar, there was safety. That was the seventh. The seventh place of refuge is the very presence of God itself. When you get in the presence of God, the enemy can't touch you. And that is why worship is so important. I want to quickly give you several reasons why you're safe in the house. Number one, you're safe because this is a house of prayer. That's what Jesus said. My house shall be called a house of prayer. Amen. I think of Pastor Donnie and all the years he served here. But you know what he said just a moment ago? He said this church is his covering even after he shifts into a different phase of ministry. You see, you don't know that Pastor Donnie has served 33 years in ministry, pioneering four years of home missions work down in Corpus Christi and 29 years here. He and Sister Kathy have fought the good fight and been faithful. But they're not leaving ministry, never will. But you know what would disturb me if Pastor Donnie had come in and said, we're not going to be connected to any church anymore. But that isn't what he said because he believes what he has practiced all these years. And I want to tell you, you need a church praying for you. Did you hear me? Yes, you do. Second Chronicles chapter seven. This is what Solomon prayed. Lord, if your people get in trouble, and I just wonder, am I talking to anybody that's ever been in trouble in this house? Oh, I see a few of you will get real right now. The rest of you just hang around because I promise you, if you haven't been there yet, you're going to come to a time when your brother can't help you and your pastor can't help you and you're going to need divine intervention. And do you know what you need when that time comes? You need a house of prayer that's praying for you and covering you. Oh, bless his name. Bless his name. Bless his name. And Solomon said, if we ever come to that place, Lord, can we just turn toward your house? And when we lift up your name and begin to call on you here from heaven. And that's what God promised he would do. There is a place where prayer is more concentrated and more focused. Number two, the reason there's safety in this house is this is a house of praise. Psalms 34 Verse number three, oh, in fact, read it with me. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Wait a minute. Magnify the Lord and come tell me about it. Say it with me again. Oh, magnify the Lord 
with me. And you exalt. Hello, let us exalt his name together. This is a place of praise. I don't need to tell you that when you worship God, it magnifies the Lord. And people think it makes God bigger. It doesn't. Doesn't at all. When you magnify something, it doesn't make it any bigger. It's still the same size. All it does is just let you see it bigger. It narrows your focus. When you put your eye squinting up against that microscope and you magnify something, do you know what you do? You exclude everything else that you have been seeing and you focus in on the primary thing. That's what praise does. It causes him to be seen so much bigger and all of the peripheral stuff gets shoved out of the way. And that stuff that you thought was big is not big anymore. One more time, give him some praise. I, I know I'm not going to finish this, so I'm going to rush quickly through it. But this house is also a house of protection. This is just like the city of refuge in ancient Israel. If you can make it here, you can find safety. The only caveat that I would say to that is that not only does God want you to have a house that you need to be connected to, he wants your personal home to mirror the qualities of the house that you are a part of. Your personal home, hello somebody, should also be a house of prayer. I didn't get much of an amen. Thank you for all 14 of you that said amen then. This, your personal home should be a house of praise. Your personal house ought to be a house that's covered by the blood. Hallelujah. And not only that, your personal house should be a house of protection. Just this word. Then don't do anything to bring stuff into your home that exposes your family to danger. You know where Achan messed up? Achan messed up because he took what was dangerous and brought it into the house. How many families have been messed up because while they were protected, somebody got a thirst or a desire to bring something into the house that should have stayed outside? High five somebody and say, keep outside what needs to keep outside. Be kept outside. I told you I could preach on that. I just don't have time. And Achan saw his family destroyed because of what he brought in the house. Number four, this is a house of provision. There was always, always bread on the table of showbread, which was the table or the bread of his presence. Always, every day there was bread. There was not a time where there wasn't bread on the table of showbread. There was always bread. There was always provision. David gets hungry and he's running from Saul and the men are with him and said, we had to flee suddenly. We didn't even get to pack a sword. We're hungry. We didn't get to bring any food. Is there anything here to eat? And the priest said, yeah, we've got the table of showbread and the bread that was just taken off the table. We put new 
bread on it just a while ago and you can have that. And, and there's always a bread, provision. This is a house of provision. What am I trying to tell you? You can't even imagine the breakthroughs financially that have occurred in this place. And, and I want you to know that if you need a breakthrough, you get covered by the house and there's a breakthrough coming in your life. Yes, there is. Whatever happens in this house is going to happen to you too also. Number five, this is a house of preparation. You can prepare for life here. You can prepare for your destiny here. You can prepare for building a godly home here. You can prepare for eternity here. Your house should be a house of preparation as well. Number six, this is a place or a house of prophecy. You can, you can get a word from God here. Turn to somebody and say, there are times when I need a word from God. I don't need to know Uncle Harry's advice. I need a word from God. You ever notice these people that are armchair theologians and they think Goliath led Israel out of Egypt and they go tell you all about God. I don't need Uncle Harry's advice. I need a word from God Almighty. Amen. You can get a word here. And I call it a word of prophecy because prophecy means to encourage. And, and you know what happens when you leave the house of God? You leave here when you walked in down, but God picks you up. Why? Because you get a word to help carry you to the next place in life. I can't tell you how many times I've come with things I've gone through and walked in here. And I'm the one preaching and you know what I've, I've done? I've encouraged myself in the Lord. I walked in here down. You didn't know it. But I left here stepping high because I got a word from God. And God spoke something to me that changed my life. Number seven, this should be a house to prevail. The Bible says that Jacob crossed over the brook Jabbok and wrestled with an angel all night long until he prevailed. Many a victory has been won right here in these altars. Had an unbelievable miracle occur here just a few weeks ago while we were in our 30 days of prayer and fasting. Amen. And sometimes you just need to get the upper hand. Amen. That's a word from God for somebody in this house. I just felt it right now. You're about to get the upper hand. I feel the Holy Spirit in this place. Somebody's about to get the upper hand right now. You're about to prevail in your circumstance and situation. Prevail. Who needs to prevail in a situation right now? I'm not, I'm not just talking right now. Who needs to actually prevail? My time is gone. Oh, Lord. Then let me just throw these other two out here. Number one. This is a house of principles. Hebrews 6 talks about the principles of the doctrine of Christ. If you don't bear, build your life on principles, you'll never get anywhere in life. Principles need to undergird everything you do. 
Amen. From the way you raise your family to the way you study the word of God to your response in times of temptation. Build principles. Amen. Let your life stand on those. Here you're going to learn and in your home it is meant to be the same. You will learn the principles that can guide your life successfully for as long as you live. You will learn the principles of the kingdom here. And finally, number nine. I want everybody to say this with me. This is a house of privilege. Would you do that? Shout it out loud. This is a house. The prodigal son sat in the middle of the pig pen. Even my father's servants have bread enough and to spare. I'm tired of living my life in this mess. Even my father's servants experience privilege. I'm going home to my daddy's house because it's a house of privilege. And the father looked down the road and said, run and go kill the fatted calf. Bring the roll, bring the ring. My son is coming home. And he ran and he met that boy because the father's house is a house of privilege. Would you stand with me right now?